trigger warning. This podcast is intended for men, not boys, not babies, men. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. You're saying you have authority over me? Go eat your superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't f***ing say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. And that is First Chronicles chapter 19, verse 13. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Dupani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Tony, the world has lost its mind. Um, I had to get my tires changed on my my van. And so I, I went to Meineke the other day and, and had them change it. And, and then after that, there was this slow air leak that was slowly leaking on the tire. And um, I kept having to inflate it. I didn't have time to go last week to get it fixed. I went, um, uh, on Saturday and they said, you got to come back on Monday. So I came back Monday and that didn't work out. Came back today. And this is why I said they lost their mind on their door. They had a sign that said, no people were allowed to wait in the waiting room. So you're supposed to drop off your vehicle to get fixed. What are you supposed to do? It's like 20 degrees outside. They want you to wait outside <laughs> for three or four hours. So I decided I'll like I'll walk over to Wendy's. This is where I'm getting about a sandwich. Walk over to Wendy's and get me a sandwich. I'll sit in their their um, you know dining area and eat a sandwich. So I get over there and they're closed because of the stupid COVID thing. So then I walked I walked on down. There's this big shopping center area, and I'm like, sure, there's gotta be something here. And I went down there and about all the stores were closed. And I was like, I'm freezing. I don't know where to go. And uh, my son was with me and we were walking and he's like, well, dad, there's this other shopping center down the way. Do you want to go over there? And I said, no, son, because once you've seen a shopping center, you've seen a mall. Wow. That was a long, long buildup <laughs> and a quick letdown. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah, once you've seen the shopping center, you've seen them all. Oh. I, you know, for a short, brief period of time, I actually thought that might have been a real story. Well, a part of it was, 
Yeah. But nice. The part nice. about the shopping center and seeing them all. Nice. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well. Oh my. How do I what follow kind of sandwich that? you eat? How do I follow that up? <laughs> um Man, actually, I'm trying to remember the last actual sandwich. We haven't been eating a lot of sandwiches recently. We've been eating more... Uh, muffins. Uh, muffins. No, no. Actually, she hasn't made that in a while. But uh, no, we've been eating more... Uh, she's been kind of on a uh, fish or chicken kick uh, recently. She's been making some really good stuff. She made some uh, uh, cashew chicken, um, which I, I don't know if you like cashew chicken, but I love cashew chicken. It's really good. Um, she made that, but um, I'm trying to think of a last sandwich. What kind, of, what kind of fish did she make? Um, I think tilapia was like the last one she made. Did it have eyes? Did the fish have eyes? Yeah. No. You know what a fish without eyes is? Oh, no. Fish. (laughs) (laughs) This this is, hey, this is not after the sandwich. You need to save that for (laughs) after the sandwich. Those of you listening, if you don't know what After the Sandwich is, it's our members-only show. So become a member with the code PATRIARCHY at FileFeast.com. Support our show. Listen to After the Sandwich. Um, there are a lot of dad jokes on that one. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, You know, honestly, I don't remember actually the last sandwich uh, that I that I ate. Other than, like, we, I mean, we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the other day, but I think I've, I've said that on the show before. Although she makes a pretty mean peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you use a fresh-cut Italian bread, you know, and mm-hmm. you toast it just a little bit, and uh, and I think you you said uh, that you don't like crunchy uh, peanut butter, but then again, you also like cats, so you know, all goes in with that. But I was like it crunch- crunchy peanut butter. I like crunchy is, peanut butter. Is, is, so she like chews it up and then spits it out, and then that makes it crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> Didn't you make that? I think you made that joke before. <laughs> we said something about like like it's like a mama bird, like yeah, chewing, yeah. Chewing up or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I, that's probably the last sandwich I had was probably a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, but I, yeah, I'm good with peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's like my five, my five year old. He, he he loves it, but it has to have a lot of peanut butter. That he's, I don't know. I, are your kids like this with peanut butter? And I think he, I think my son got this from my dad, genetically or something. But the kid just eats straight peanut butter. Like he, he'll ask my my wife, "Can I have some peanut butter?" And I mean, we have to limit him on it or whatever. But he likes just he'll just take a spoonful of peanut butter and just eat peanut butter. No, I'll do that. I like a spoonful. Oh, you like of it? Peanut okay. Butter. Yeah, yeah. That, I know, so some people are really like that. or I think the weird thing is when people do that with, like, butter, just butter. That's weird. I don't know. I can't do that. I, that feels yeah. like a heart attack. But, yeah. Speaking of weird things. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. What's our next segment? Oh, there you go. Hey, good segue. Our next segment, we're bringing it back. Florida men, we salute you. Of a driver who decided to leave an unwanted load on a stranger's driveway. Local news reporter Ian Margot joining us live now from North Lauderdale to explain this one for us today. Ian. Calvin, this one stinks. Imagine yourself in this scenario. Number one, someone takes a poop on your driveway. And number two, you have to clean it up yourself. Wait, number one or number two? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got to listen to this. Oh. It's a crappy job. I know when it comes on for you to go, you have to go. Wilson Thomas is trying to be understanding, but you can imagine his frustration when he saw this on his home surveillance cameras. Some dude dropping a deuce on his driveway. He could have drove himself right 
towards the left in the fence towards the coconut tree mm -hmm. and do what you want to do there. That would be no problem. But in my driveway, Thomas says it was a <laughs> wait. What drive to the coconut tree? That's no problem. Just go to take it a dump by a coconut tree. I, I don't know, man. Florida's weird. We have to talk to Matt from How to Build a Tent about this and ask him if this is like a thing in Florida, if you're allowed to poop under a coconut tree. I don't know. Around 4 p.m. Saturday afternoon, he was at work when this green car pulls up. Just open his door and just start to pull his shirt all the way over and then stoop down. And that was it. Then just as quickly as he arrived, the party pooper drives off, leaving his shirt and his stool behind. Thomas says when he got home, it was too late to take care of it right away. So he waited until Sunday morning to take on the turd. I went in the hot sun, scrape it up, pour it into a bag, and then I pour bleach, and then I hose the, wash the whole thing off. Now Thomas says he's ready to put this smelly situation behind him. Oh, man, there are so many bad puns in this. This newscast <laughs> has tried so hard to make up for the fact that they're, they're, there's such a new slow news cycle to whenever this was uh, taken that they're, they're reporting on a dude taking a dump in somebody's driveway. That's so gross. That's so gross. Yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, well, that's Florida man for you. Crazy things happen in Florida. Go ask Matt Williams. Yeah. He lives in Florida. I think Matt Williams is Florida man. Ah, let's see if Matt listens to our show. <laughs> All right, man. So we're still on our series on biblical virtues. So what, what are we talking about today? Yeah, man, we are talking about um, fortitude and in particular courage. Um, you know, um, we live in this time, I, I would think there's a lot of things to be frightened about around us. In particular, you, you, I, as I mentioned earlier, kind of jokingly, the world has lost their mind. And that was a true story about like, I couldn't actually go into Meineke and, and sit down and wait for my vehicle to get fixed because of fear, fear of COVID and, and everything else going on. So you have, I believe, a world going crazy over a virus with a pretty large survival rate. I, but would, I with, would say that's a pretty large <clears throat> survival rate when it's like 99, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then you also have, um, but there's fear of the virus that many have, but actually the, the, the things going along with it, the shutdown orders, to me, they're more frightening mm -hmm. is yeah, the overreach and, and the, the, actually the most frightening thing, maybe the censorship of anyone that has a different opinion than what is the, um, acceptable opinion by, uh, Mr. Robot man, um, Facebook dude, what's his name? Um, oh, Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Robot and, Man. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's he, true. That's very true. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he could have played Data in Star Trek. <laughs> I think Data had more personality. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that uh, it's a pretty frightening time around us with the shutdown of dissenting voices. You know, the, one of the craziest things to me. And I can't seem to, I can't quite get a grasp on it. Is the um, presidential election? And what I mean by that, um, you have the president of the United States saying that the election was rigged and there were problems with it. And you would think that any other president in in history that would make these claims, this would be a huge deal. The media would be covering it, and not in a way that just dismisses it out of hand. 
And so it's it's interesting to me that you have media um, just dismissing their their headlines have become full on um, opinions and not even attempts at objectivity. And it goes along with that censorship thing. So I, I think actually, when you see all this, you almost feel like you're being gaslighted, and it uh, um, it, it's frightening on that circumstance. It's frightening. And then you have churches caving on critical race theory, sodomy. You have people that are not able to work because their jobs are shut down. And in the midst of this, uh, God has called us to live and be faithful. And it's tempting to be, be fearful. And yet, as we've been talking about the virtues that men ought to have, one of the virtues that we need to have is fortitude or courage. You know, um, if you were to look behind me, if we were on video, you would see that I have this uh, templated picture with one of my favorite quotes on it. And it's this quote from John Wayne that says, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyways. Mm-hmm. I think I think I've shared that before yeah yeah and and uh i what i love about the quote and it's an encouragement to me in a lot of the battles that i have to face as a pastor or as a father or a husband you know sometimes we go out and maybe engage in different things whether the abortion mill or having to do counseling with someone doing an interview on a podcast or something like that i'm always reminded of this quote when you're fearful have a courage, do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And um, so as we think about the kind of men we want to be, we meet, need to be men with fortitude, with courage. And um, I wanted to talk about, before I actually dived into what fortitude is and, and reasons to be courageous, I kind of wanted to talk about um, the ditches that it's easy to fall into uh, in our day. And so the, the first ditch um, very easy uh, for me of us follows into uh, is cowardice. Um, it's a vice. So you think of virtues or good things we want to have characteristics. Well, cowardice is a vice. And if you know about scripture, what is, what does scripture say about coward cowardice? They will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Well, actually it says cowards go first. Oh, they go first. Yes. They go first. They go first to hell. Mm-hmm. In the book of Revelation, the list of things sending people to hell, cowardice is first. first That's yeah. the very first thing. But cowardice is refusing to take what we might call prudent risk or making a prudent sacrifice because of fear. It's the abandon the uh, some have described it as the abandonment of the greater good due to the terror of sustaining loss and hurt. Mm. Um, we talked about p- prudent risk. So a few weeks ago we talked about prudence and wisdom. And wouldn't um, be prudent. Coward- it wouldn't be prudent. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad you still have that on there. There you go. <laughs> um, but the cowardice refused to take a wise risk to make or make a wise sacrifice. Um, prudence teaches you to make sure you first weigh the situation, right? Jesus talked about when you go to a war, you want to make sure you have the enough soldiers or anyone who builds a a, a, a building. Make sure you have the, the you count the cost, but counting the cost doesn't mean that you don't take risks, that you don't step out in ways that you don't know. Rather, um, um, uh, the, uh, the truth is that we do have to have fortitude to take real risks and real make real sacrifices. But cowardice keeps us from it. 
uh, cowardice is one sense in which we're so totally self self-preserved, or we're so worried about uh, self-preservation, we become crippled in relation to the world, and therefore uh, um, we don't do our duty as men. I mean, that, that's, I think that is, if I had to say that's the overwhelming temptation for most men, and we're pretty good at covering it up, right? We're pretty good at, at acting not like cowards, but we often are. Mm-hmm. Think about how, I mentioned how the church is caving on um, critical race theory and sodomy and other things. And it's because the uh, we have such a love for the world and a concern of self-preservation that, that we're not willing to die. We're not willing to die to ourselves to be able to speak the truth. I think we have a love of uh, comfort too, and maybe that maybe that's what you mean by the world too. But I think that that's <clears throat> at least in our maybe in our time in our nation. I think that's what we're and we're reaping the reward of of that love right now because we just we we give up so much. Because we just want to remain comfortable. We like we like our lives. We like our privileges that we have. And no, I'm no don't mean like your white privilege or whatever. Um, but like we just like the, the things we've been privilege. afforded. Yeah, well, I mean we've we've liked the things we're afforded. And there's nothing wrong with liking mm-hmm. having a nice life. But there is everything wrong with what you're saying, which is giving up what's right to keep that. Yeah, you know Jesus said, uh, "If you're going to follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me." Right? Mm-hmm. If Whoever wants to gain his life must first lose it. And it, it's the temptation we all have to self-preservation at all costs. And often what cowardice ends up doing is, um, well, in an attempt to self-preserve, it doesn't actually do that, does it? No. A man who is a coward <laughs> ends up, as I said, they end up going first to hell. Mm-hmm. And cowardice often lose what they're most trying to preserve. So. Maybe they're most trying to preserve their their uh, reputation with the world, right? I think of of men who have uh, had high esteem by the media, mm-hmm. and so they they kind of write these these articles where they punch right and kiss left. I think we've talked about that before. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and have. and the idea is I'll punch those to my right, and then I'll suck up to the left, and I'll be able to preserve my reputation. And you find that in like a few or three weeks, they're they're already turning on you as well. You, your cowardice doesn't cause you to stand, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it causes you to lose what you were trying to preserve. Uh, a lot of times, men are afraid to confront their wife on a sin, or to do some kind of thing that might rock the boat in their home. And what ends up happening is they end up losing the one thing that they're trying to hold—that peace, that that that. Uh, the true peace and purity of the home because they won't speak up and do what's right. Way and back, uh, way back, I, I think it might even been a first or second episode where we talked about the, when I talked to a guy at my church and the whole phrase, suck it up, buttercup. That was because, mm-hmm. um, and I felt for him because I was there at one point too, but I'll recount it in case somebody's, this is everybody's first episode, I know. So um, if I, I, there was a man that was at my church and he came up to me and he was just saying, you know, hey, you know, when I, I when I get home, you know, my wife was like so and so, you know, needs disciplined or whatever, and he he had told her, oh, I don't want, I don't want you to ever say, you know, you just wait until dad gets home because I don't want to be the bad guy, 
And the, what I had said so many episodes ago was I just said to him, I just smiled and said, well, suck it up, buttercup, and be a man because it's your job. And that came from me too, because that was me years and years and years ago is to where I, at one point I had said to my wife, I don't want to be the bad guy. And then I finally grew and matured and figured out, well, not that it's our job to be the bad guy, but it's, it's our job to be a dad. It's not your job to be your kid's friend. And, um, he was afraid, like I was afraid years ago of losing this good relationship with his son. And, you know, I had talked longer and I probably never said the rest of the conversation, but I did talk longer with him and told him, like, if you don't discipline your son, you're going to lose your son. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a guarantee. And um, so that what you're saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just piggybacking on what you're saying, which is, like you said, the thing that you most don't want to lose, you will. Yeah, because cowardice won't let you actually stand up and fight for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why well, you think you're preserving it by being a coward, but coward actually ends up watching all of that whittled away, mm-hmm. usually slowly, yep. because it's afraid to take a risk that if I take this risk, I might lose all this right off the bat. So instead, I'll I'll slowly lose it and let it slowly slip out of my hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, how foolish that would be. Now, let me let me hit the other side of this, which can be, I think, a... Uh, um, well, not can be, it often is a temptation for young men and for those who are uh, repelled at the cowardice around them. And that is, there's temptation we might call brashness or uh, imprudent risk-taking. It's the the vice of lacking a proper awareness of or concern for real danger. So a brash man might come across as a bold man but what he is, is he's a foolish man because he foolishly charges into dangers and difficulties that could have been avoided. And so he doesn't actually look out for trouble and he kind of just enjoys risk for its own sake and he wants to come across bold. And so um, we just had uh, a thing called No Quarter November that many were participating in. And... Um, I think the temptation with that, I I love that, and I love Pastor Wilson and all the work that they've done with that, but I think the temptation for many young men online was to see that and just run headlong into a lot of foolish and and, uh, um, heartless and rude statements expressing your ever uh, extreme opinion on about whatever you have. And uh, that's an example of the brashness that we're tempted to have, which is a foolhardiness, not counting the cost, running in. Uh, the The story reminds me of in in the Old Testament when the man makes the the covenant about the next thing that crosses my threshold, I'll I'll sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And he spoke rashly, and then his little daughter came across, mm-hmm. and uh, God expected him to keep his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, I think the temptations we think we're getting ready to talk about fortitude and bravery is to say, well, I'll rush in, um, you know, bull in a china shop kind of deal, making promises and commitments that I haven't thought through, I can't keep, uh, exchanging my opinion for the truth and uh, having no concern for danger and. It's just as bad as cowardice. It uh, um, 
And actually, often it is. It's actually an attempt to hide cowardice. That's what I was just going to say. Is I I think that is cowardice because it's 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 the. I think it's the fear of men. And I understand that fear, but it's the fear of being looked at as soft. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 I don't mean to say that uh, we should be soft men, but what I mean is we, we still need to have compassion. We still need to have kindness. Our default. I was actually just talking to a police officer the other day about this, but I was saying that, you know, the Bible says to live at peace with all men if at all possible, and our default ought to be to be peaceful men. We want peace. We we don't want violence. And obviously then the, if it, if not at all possible happens, then we should be violent men. Um, I actually tweeted about that in a, a quarter of November thing. And that was my point. But I think that there are a lot of men that are, and I mean, I'll be honest, you know, I think all of us, if we look at ourselves rightly, we, we are afraid of that too. It's harder for us to sometimes be tender or compassionate or something. And, and it's, obviously much easier, I think, for our wives. Our wives are more nurturing, you know, women are more nurturing, but we still need to make sure that we're not so hard and become brash that we can't be compassionate and we can't be afraid of somebody looking at that who probably thinks that brashness is like the end-all be-all of boldness and going, oh, we're just being soft. Like, well, hey, if you think that's soft, then I guess you think that's soft. But I think we ought to be able to be compassionate and not be afraid of that. Well, I, I think um, there, the, the importance uh, in, in our day is so we see all this cowardice, and and so we don't want to be that. I know I don't. It, it repulses me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some uh, men who are pastors on online just peeing all over themselves to uh, to support Joe Biden now that he's a uh, might be president of elect, and and even before. I mean, they haven't, the thing's not even over and they're just all over themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just sickening. It's gross. And I want nothing to do with it. But my temptation then is to go to the other side and I'm just going to launch bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Bombs that might not cost me much, but um, um, uh, against people that uh, I haven't thought about where they might be at. And I was was very uh, reminded this this month. this past month, was dealing with different uh, things in our church, counseling some men, and about how to love the, their wives. And I reminded of the the scripture verse that says we uh, uh, that the Lord knows our frame, that we are but dust. And as fathers and husbands, thinking about um, brashness and harshness, we need to know the frames of those under our charge. And uh, I think. Knowing the frame is going along with knowing the dangers and the risks of what you're going to do. And very helpful when, like, for example, you're going to make a change in your home. Maybe, maybe there's something that has been going on in your home too long. It's the wrong thing that it's the wrong thing been happening. And you've come to a good understanding of it. And so you don't want to be a coward and not make the change. But you have to understand the frame of those under you. You just can't come in and just uh, we're we're and try to flip over the apple cart in one day. Um, Make a lot of I apple sauce that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the right way. But you know, yeah, sour apples. Yes. <laughs> sour grapes, right? Uh, you want to, you have to, you have to know the frames of the people you're under your charge. And then you have to know what the risks are 
And then you can know the, the brave way and the wise way to walk, to operate. And so this is the kind of virtue that we want to be encouraging. So we talked about those two ditches, and then that gets us into, if we avoid those ditches, that gets us to where we want to be, which is fortitude. Uh, um, one group describes fortitude as, uh, um, well, uh, the other word for it is bravery or courage. Mm-hmm. But the uh, uh, fortitude is being able to do the right thing even under hard times. So they just this one group divided divided defined it as the right thing even in the midst of hardship. And so fortitude is basically what we call bravery, uh, courage. It's what causes a soldier to lay down his life. So what, what how does that work? How, how does a soldier lay down his life for someone else or for for his army? Well, a lot of times he puts himself in between harm's way and his army. Yeah, yeah, that's how he does it. I mean, I mean, well, he said how. I'm answering your question. I did say, how. yeah, you did, you did. Uh, why, or or what? What enables him to do that? Is this where I get to say fortitude? Well, fortitude is. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get at is there's some something greater that he has in purpose in mind. Yeah, I think he has mission, brotherly love. He has the end goal. And I think the yep. end goal is not just about him. I think the end goal has to be about where he's taking his army, what he's trying to protect his men, or he's trying to accomplish that goal. Um, I think you and I were talking actually earlier about the adventure, but um, I think that yeah, I think it. I think I don't know. I don't know if that's where you're leading this. I'm trying to trying to follow your train of thought here. No, you're you're going right. So there's a greater okay. goal. There's something. There's something driving the man, right? Right. Uh, a a purpose. Obviously, if you ask any Reformed Christian, what is your purpose? What's the answer? <laughs> well, it, or, wait, wait, wait. Are, are we asking Reformed Presbyterians or are we asking Reformed Baptists? I guess I it, hope it's the same. I hope it should be. I answer. think it's the same. I think it's the same. I was trying to think if it's the same in the first and both both confessions, but yeah, not, not as familiar with the Baptist well, confession. I'm not sure there's a Baptist, Baptist catechism, but the Westminster Catechism says. It's the to to do what to glorify God and enjoy, enjoy Him forever. forever. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so really, sorry, when you think Baptist, about courage, I'm not, I'm, not I'm not ragging on you. I'm not ragging on you. A little bit, but uh, <laughs> hey, hey, no, don't make enemies here. <laughs> we're just ragging on you just enough that it'll push you to be a Presbyterian. <laughs> okay, keep going before we lose all of our fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for, for real. Um. Basically, what we're saying is there's this other goal. So uh, a non-believer can have some fortitude in a sense, right? So we think about the soldier, maybe he's not a believer in Christ, who lays down his life for his other soldiers. He's got some other greater goal. Mm-hmm. But to see this this virtue really carried out is to have this virtue that would cause you not only in the, the heat of some intense battle, but in all of life, be be courageous and brave, and that is having a a the end goal being Christ. And and another way of saying this that I've I've seen it is like I, I've said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but I would also say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so the, the fear, Lord, the be is to put Him first to to fear that he's awesome and 
and terrible and good and to know that he upholds and 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 strengthens all things that he is holy and righteous and so having him in in mind having god as the object in your mind of this is what you live for this makes you bold this makes you bold and it, it that's why i would say the fear of the lord is the beginning of courage fear of the lord is the beginning of fortitude and so when i'm thinking about men encouraging you to be courageous you just want to start there with the fear of the lord and then from there um, developing your mission in life will enable you to be prudent and bold at the same time now um i have a list which i'm not going to be able to go through all in in this episode of about how many how many reasons that I come up with? It was like 28, 29 reasons. 29, and you, you said you were going to do a few, so I asked if that was going to be like 28, knowing you. <laughs> but hey, do you want to save this for, for after the break? Because we're, we're actually approaching a decent amount of time in our first segment here. We could take a break, go yeah, to our sure. interview, and yeah. uh, come on back. Yep, let's do that. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be on the line with Luke Pearson of Apologia Church. So stick around. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. the transparent with an important public service announcement. These yahoos over at the Patriarchy Podcast collaborated with some other yahoos over at Confessional Wear to bring all their gun-toting, misogynistic, homophobic, Bible-thumping, brain-dead minion yahoos some Patriarchy merchandise. Yeah, they're actually selling t-shirts and coffee mugs to promote this trash. Even t-shirts for women. I'd say I can't believe it, but let's face it, these are the same buffoons that send boxes of Fruit Loops to my door, addressed to the Fruit Loop that lives there, who thinks he's a parrot. Intolerant pieces of garbage. Of course I'm a parrot. Anyways, this crap is available on confessionalware.com under podcast collaborations. Not that any normal person would buy that junk. Squawk. Hey, lady. Polly needs his papers changed again. The lack of service around this place is unbelievable. We're on the line with Luke Pearson. Luke Pearson has been a pastor elder at Apologia Church from its inception in 2010 and serves as discipleship pastor. Along with Pastor Jeff Durbin, Luke co-founded Apologia Studios and End Abortion Now and is co-host of the church's radio and TV programs Apologia Radio and Apologia TV. Luke has been involved in outreach to the occults and various religious groups since 2000. His fourth generation and a long line of missionaries and full-time ministers of the gospel going back to his great-grandfather in the early 1900s. He also served in youth ministry for nine-plus years at Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana, and at LifeQuest Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Luke and his wife of over 17 years, Cheryl, have two daughters, Evangeline Grace and Eliana Faith. Luke, welcome to the Patriarchy. 
Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, and you nailed it. So great job. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's a long one, but I got it. Um, Pastor Luke, before we get started, we wanted to let you know that we are uh, uh, rated G, and so we wanted to ask if you can keep your profanity down to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, I will uh, I'll do my best. Okay, there we go. I got that out of the way. Everybody wanted to know, I'm sure. Okay. That was, that was perfect, yeah. Actually, Jeff, Jeff, just, Jeff just did a conference, sorry, Jeff just did a conference uh, this weekend, and they were like, messaging them ahead of time, like, hey, uh, we're excited you're going to be here. It was like a Zoom conference. Like, can you uh, just uh, can you make sure you're not uh, using any profanity? That'd be really great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, Luke, we wanted to have you on. and uh, You you're, you, and and Jeff have been very instrumental in helping to fight abortion, and you've been very bold to go out to the to the abortion mill and to speak to civil magistrates. And so we wanted to talk to you about really courage and fortitude and the ability to, to do these things for the Lord. So uh, this is going to sound like a really simple question, but what is courage? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, and I actually, I know we, we had talked about this prior to doing this. Show. I actually just uh, did a show or a show. A, I did just do a show today. I did a, uh, I preached a couple weeks ago in Nashville after the conference on courage and, um, and you know, just the way that the scripture talks about courage, um, I, there's a couple examples. Um, one is, uh, you look in the old Testament and, uh, I love the, I love the example here. I'm, I'm just pulling it up, but in, in Deuteronomy 31, this is where the Israelites, um, were after 40 years in the desert, we're getting ready to go into the promised land and Moses knew, that he would not be going, um, and so he's essentially handing the reins over to Joshua. And uh, the the idea of having courage in this example is he tells him to be courageous. Um, but in that example, it's the Lord your God Himself will go over before you. In verse three, He will destroy these nations before you. And um, so, just that idea of having courage is trusting in God that He's going before you. Um, and I think it makes it a lot easier to have have that courage when, when you view it from that perspective. And, um, and then I was in, um, in revelation that talks about, um, cowardly. So the opposite of courageous, right. Is being, is, is being cowardly and, and Christ, the Alpha and Omega, right. Actually throws cowardly into this list of faithless, detestable, uh, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. He says that their portion will be in like a fire that burns with um, fire and sulfur. And and so like the opposite then of of not having courageous is or not having courage is being cowardly, and it's actually a sin worthy of death. Uh, and so those are like the you know the opposite perspectives. And then you look at. Um, uh, I just lost lost the reference here, but um, basically, in New Testament, it says the, it says to be courageous and to act like a man, mm-hmm. which is perfect for your podcast. It's like, what does it mean to act like a man? Mm-hmm. It means you mm-hmm. you you have fortitude. That's what you guys are talking about. Like, you have courage. You're brave. You're strong. Um, and biblically speaking, you you trust in God that He is going before you. So I think that's probably a 
a long-winded definition of courage, but hopefully gets the point across. <laughs> yeah, so why um... – well, you've kind of answered it. I'll ask it anyways. Why should okay. men be courageous? Uh, well, one, because Scripture commands us to be. <laughs> um, so that's the simple, the simple answer. Uh, but yeah, it says act like a man. Be courageous. Um, well, you know, even even fulfilling something like the Great Commission, you can't do that if you're a coward, right? So you look at all the different commands in Scripture. Um, that involve expanding Christ's kingdom and preaching the gospel and rescuing those. I know you're going to get into this, but rescuing those going to death. Like you can't do that if you're not courageous. You can't do that if you're sitting on the sideline being a coward. Um, and so, yeah, so like that's why it's so important. That's why God tells us, especially as men, like you have to be courageous. So it's, I was thinking of my favorite song, Reckless love. No, I'm kidding. Um, and but what what's the difference between courage and recklessness? Oh man, that's a really great question. And that's why I asked. You want them, me to you know. keep it? If you you want me to keep it G-rated, don't tell me that your favorite song is Reckless Love. <laughs> no. uh, I'm kidding, uh, man. Everyone's gonna write in now and be like, "Do you know what that song is about?" Like, yes, I do. It's a uh, joke. It's a joke, people. Oh man, that's funny. Um, so. Man, what's the difference between courageous and reckless? Okay, so I think I think, and I know Joseph, you can you've seen this firsthand. There's this is especially prevalent when it comes to uh, fighting the front lines of the abortion bill. When you're literally there at the gates of hell, rescuing babies from being torn apart limb from limb and their mother's womb, like uh, you know, there's a difference between boldly and courageously calling people to repentance and um and you pastor zach i know i don't know tony if you know him but i know joseph does pastor zach morgan is like he is like one of the most courageous men that i know and like i've you know i've seen him like one thing he's good at is if there's a, a father there at the abortion mill that's you know dropped off their girlfriend or wife or whatever you know like and they're waiting for them to to murder their child like He'll he'll confront them and say you're being a coward. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be a man and go in there and rescue your child. And like that's courage. That's courageous. Um, boldly proclaiming the truth even in the the most difficult of situations. Uh, but you can be reckless in that where you're flying off the handle. Like we've we've had to send people home that have been out the abortion mill with us because they couldn't control their emotions. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and and they may have had a genuinely righteous anger like you can't go there and not be righteously angry but they were righteously angry and sinning yeah they had, and, no, they had no self-control yeah exactly so they were no self-control they were reckless and so like that's an example where you know you 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 might even be courageous in the moment because you're trying to rescue someone literally from death but if you're being reckless in it like you're not doing any good you're not honoring christ and so there's a definite distinction there, and you definitely have to be courageous under self-control. Would you say that there's a, our our last episode, our last main episode, was actually on prudence, on on wisdom? Um, would you say there's a semblance of of wisdom that goes along with that to make it courage versus you know recklessness? Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can't 
it's hard to, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not full of wisdom, you're not going to have a lot of self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think there are people that I know even that have enough wisdom to say, I want to go to the abortion mill, but I can't control my emotions. Mm-hmm. So there's even wisdom in that thing. I'm going to fight this fight, but I'm going to do it from somewhere else because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of other ways to fight abortion, not at the at the, on the front lines, you know, so they might have wisdom in that thing. It's, it's not wise for me to be out there at the mill because I'm unable to control my, my anger in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now obviously there's, there might be sanctification issues there that should be dealt with, but <laughs> I think there is wisdom in there and separating the two for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think if I was going to say the difference between courage and recklessness, I would say it's actually fear. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I mean is, so I have this uh, right behind me where we're interviewing right now. I have this sign from John Wayne that says, uh, courage is being scared to death and getting up on your horse and riding anyways. Mm. And the idea is, is courage actually is, has full recognition of what the situation is. It's not yeah. a denial of the situation or the denial of what might be fear inside you. But there's actually faith that trusts the Lord, where I think recklessness is oftentimes scared to death, but denies the reality of the circumstance and the situation. And so it mm. rushes headlong without thought or wisdom and without the fear of yeah. the Lord. Yeah. No, that's that's a great distinction. And I, I, I'm glad you brought that because even so we, you know, here in we speaking of, you know, the wild west, like I'm in Arizona in the desert, right? Like we all elk tote guns around I'm carrying right mm-hmm. now like you know I'm up preaching I'm probably carrying like a lot of men at our church carry firearms but mm-hmm. we have a ministry rule that you do not bring a firearm out to the abortion though like if you're coming to end this ministry you're literally coming to die right and so um, it, but it goes along the same lines here because I think that bringing a gun to that situation is reckless because if there was an altercation uh, you're not thinking ahead. You're not thinking um, long term at what the ramifications could be, you know. And so, but ultimately, the people that have argued to bring a firearm to those to the abortion mill, they're doing out of fear because they want to protect themselves and their family, or whatever. And and so, I think that's a good illustration of of what you were just saying, Joseph. Well, let me ask you this, Luke: How how do you uh, overcome uh, a, a faithless fear. So, uh, how do you overcome fear to be to be courageous? Well, I think that's a great question. I think going back to my original definition of of courage is if you're trusting that God is going before you, ultimately you have nothing to fear. Especially if you have a a, a high view of God's sovereignty. Right. It's one thing if you if you're you have a very weak view of God's sovereignty and, you know, things are up to chance, but like being that we are reformed on this, on this uh, show, like we have a very high view of mm-hmm. God's sovereignty. We know and believe and trust in God that he's sovereign, that he's, that he's in control of all things. So ultimately there's nothing to fear. Um, and yeah, I think that's a great, a great uh, point to bring up. I don't know if that answers your question. So I, I got a question here. Um, okay. How do you how do you cultivate courage like in in other men? Oh man, um, 
one, especially as a pastor, you lead by example. Um, I think I think courage is contagious, and I think one area that pastors fail in, kind of as a whole, in our culture, is they don't lead from the pulpit. And I don't just mean like teaching; I mean like actually leading, like in the public square, leading outside of the four walls of your church. And so I think when your pastors are on the front lines and they're leading, like people follow. That's that's what. Uh, you know, that's, that's being a good shepherd is you're leading your people, you know, and so they're watching you, they're, your sheep are watching you and they're following your example and they're, and they're allowing you to lead. So when you lead with courage, when you're doing the hard things, they, a lot of times they just come right behind you and they, and they follow in that example. So I think it has to start there. It has to start in the pulpit. And um, yeah, I, I hope that answered what you were getting at there. Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me with you guys is I've I've watched uh, you and Jeff uh, go before your city council, um, mm-hmm. especially when you guys wore black robes and and one of the things yeah. I think that stood out to me, I mean that stood out to me, you guys leading by example. But I think one of the things that was really powerful is, and some people I don't think notice, but if you look behind you guys in the videos that you guys take, your church is there. And they're, being, yeah. they're, they're watching you lead, and they're there yeah. behind you and supporting you with it. And you talk about courage is contagious. I mean, I've seen a few you know, little kids come up uh, yeah. uh, to, to talk, and they, they're very respectful, too. But it, it's, you, know, you talk about you have a, a little kid who's got enough courage to go up and talk before um, a city council, and you don't have grown right. men elsewhere that you know, can even be bothered to do that. And, and that's, but yeah, I, I have appreciated that. I think that's a, a good point about it being contagious. I, I appreciate that a ton. And I'll be honest, the first, the first time I did that, I was, I was a hot mess. <laughs> I, was, I was so nervous. I was shaking like, you know, like, and I, I, you know, talk about like cultivating courage. Like I had, to, I had to summons like courage <laughs> from like the pits of my being, you know, like it was, it was nerve wracking. I mean, you're getting up there and, and Phoenix, I mean, Phoenix is the, now the fifth largest city in the nation, mm. you know, to get up there and call the mayor and like the city council to repentance. Like it was, it was difficult, you know, but once you, once you, once I did it, once you do it once, you know, not, not that it's easy ever, but once you get out of the way, kind of get the, the bugs out, you know, then it's easier, but it yeah. was hard. Like, and, and, so like I want people to know that like it, it wasn't easy like it took courage, and um, and so I I appreciate though you saying that like I hope and obviously I don't know if you guys you, you probably saw it but just uh, Pastor Zach was the first one that did it you know again talking about like someone that's very courageous, um, and it started like a bit of a movement the last couple years where mm-hmm. there's people all over the nation going and even like you said like little kids going and calling their city councils to repentance and like so i love it it's awesome to see that so i appreciate that joe i say joseph you're going to ask me something i think yeah i was i was going to ask you well i kind of have two questions and they're completely different (laughs) um well we we often think of courage and and this is very helpful to, to think of it in these big outward things like of of going to the city council yeah and uh, my question is, what about the small things in our lives that we often don't think about that we're very cowardly of 
How do we cover those? You know what I mean by like just talking to your friend at work about the Lord or disciplining your children or yeah. telling your telling your wife no. Like how yeah. how do you how do you start with how do you get courage for that? That's a great a great question because I think you, you're not going to be able to be courageous in the public square if you're not courageous in the little things. And you know, so it's just a matter of discipline. It's a matter of um, doing everything you can at all times to act upon principle. Um, and yeah, I think you just. I, I I don't think I don't think God would. It's like it's like being a you know the faithful steward. Like God's not gonna give you um, you know allow you necessarily to have opportunities in the public square to have influence and be courageous there if you can't conquer the little things in life. You know, and again, it's trusting him that he's there before you. And, uh, you know, like I think you brought up a great example of someone you work with or family. Um, yeah, like that. oftentimes, like, I think, and I, I know you could attest to this, uh, Joseph, but like um, oftentimes it's much easier to... <laughs> to be courageous, I think like the abortion mill than it is like a Thanksgiving dinner with an unsafe family mm-hmm. member. Right? Because you know yeah. you're gonna see that person again and there's a relationship there that's ongoing. So it's hard to do the courageous thing in those moments. It's easy to go tell someone you're never gonna see again, you know, about Christ and the gospel. Um so that's a great question. I'm and I'm so glad you brought up children because literally when you were asking me that question, like that's I was I was thinking that. Like um, you know, I know as a dad, sometimes I'm just lazy when it comes to disciplining the kids. You know, I might be gone, you know, counseling people all day and I come home and my kids have been driving my wife nuts all day. And like, you know, I'm like, just let me sit down for five minutes, you know, but like, ultimately, like, that's just me being lazy, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and not disciplining my children how they should be because of sin in my own heart. And I think you're right. I think courage is, you know, it takes courage to say, you know what, I'm not going to be lazy in this moment, Um, even though I'm tired, even though I don't want to deal with this right now, I'm going to do it anyways, because that's the the right thing to do. Um, So I'm I'm so glad you brought that example up. Yeah, the reason I bring that up is because, uh, you know, people see you and you're such a little little tiny dude doing all this courageous (laughs) stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, they see a big bearded Viking doing this stuff. And of course you're courageous. Uh, so I think it was helpful actually for you to talk about, you know, ways that you, in fact, earlier you talked about being scared. And I think that was very helpful yeah. for our people to, uh, to hear. I, I appreciate that a ton. And, and yeah, I don't want to fool anybody. I don't, I don't think I'm, <laughs> think I'm that courageous. It's, it's all God and the Holy spirit. And, you know, even like we go to like, well, we haven't been able to do it in a while because of, of COVID and stuff, but and we usually go to the with the Easter pageant at the Mormon temple here in Mesa. You know, I've been going there for like 10 years and maybe longer now. And, you know, there's a uh, hundred thousand people that come through in two weeks and, you know, they usually would pack out at 15,000 people at a time. And there's six of us maybe on a good night, you know, out there handing our tracks, preaching the gospel. And, I'll be honest, and you can, even if Pastor Jeff was in here, he would tell you the same thing. Like, I still get nervous about that, and, you know, I have to, like, 
I have to like really prepare myself before going, even though some of it seems like second nature, like you still get like, it's intimidating, you know? And so, so, and I, and going back to what you said earlier, I think there's a, there's a fear there, but it's, uh, there's a difference between a healthy fear and a sinful fear. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think you have a healthy fear because you realize the seriousness of the situation. There's 15,000 people here that need the gospel you know, and so like you want to be courageous for the sake of their souls, but you don't want to be fearful because you're just afraid to like tell someone about Christ, right? You, mm, you that's yeah. that's shame. That's being coward. That's a cowardly fear. Um, so yeah, I don't even remember. I don't even your original point, but that's where we just went. So hopefully that's that. Good. Uh, okay, good. Hopefully that helps uh, out there. So you're you're talking about being. You know, when people think that you're not afraid and you are, um, you know, and, and kind of just going and barreling through it anyways. Um, you're talking yeah. about the first time you went before the city council. I remember the first time it's Joseph and I met in a roundabout way through abortion ministry as well. Okay. Uh, we're in different states, but um, w- the first time I ever went to an abortion mill, I was scared out of my mind. Like I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was doing. I'd never done this yeah. before. I'd never done evangelism before, you name it or whatever, but I was very yeah. convicted of it. And this was years ago, actually, when I still lived in Chicago. And I remember being terrified. And the funny thing, the funny thing of it was, is I remember people coming up, because uh, I did it on one of those pro-life day of silent solidarity where you're supposed to tape your oh, mouth. Okay. We're supposed to tape your mouth shut because the babies can't speak. And so therefore you can't speak. It was like the dumbest thing ever, but we all start from somewhere. <laughs> and, um, and I had a beard at the time too, by the way, and I used real duct tape. So that was, oh. a, humble, that was a humbling experience. Um, <laughs> back to what I was saying. I wasn't even talking and I was still afraid. Um, and I had people come up and were like, thank you for being so courageous. And it was like, yeah. you kind of think like, I, I'm, I'm an idiot with duct tape on his beard standing on a street corner. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm, af- why am I afraid? You know? And, but yeah. I, I think practice in courage helps, you know, I, I think like yeah. you're saying, the more you do it and the more you come to find how God uses it and how God protects you, or sometimes he doesn't. I mean, I've had, Joseph, you've had all sorts of crazy stuff happen too. I mean, I've had guns pulled on me and knives and you name it, but like you live through it. <laughs> right. And, right. and you, but I didn't have that happen the first time. The first time was just about me getting over my own inner doubt of it. What am I going to say? What am I, what if I mess up? What if I do something wrong? What if I don't know how to answer something? But I think my biggest fear and, and hopefully that's what gets most of us as men to do it is I had more fear of what if I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Like what, what if I don't, because mm. I, I had more, I, I, hopefully we can all be more afraid of cowardice than, you know, something else. But I do think for me, the repetition of it and the continuing to just push myself to go out there and do it again and again and again, uh, ends up helping. I don't know if that's like how, how you were going before the city council too. I'm sure every time you went, it got maybe a little yeah. easier and it never goes away. I, I agree. Right. But I think repetition right might be something for, for men to start to practice, but you have to, you have to start at some point, you have to start from somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Even at the city council, it definitely got easier. I think the last time, cause they, they've kind of figured out a way to, we haven't gone in a while because they haven't been meeting, but mm-hmm. they figured out a way to like quorum against us or whatever. So we couldn't even given, you have an opportunity to speak, but, um, but the last time I had gone, like I had gone a few times and I was feeling pretty confident, but the last time I went, like I was like specifically calling out uh, some of our city council members by name 
um, you know, calling in repentance and like it, you know, that was like a that was like a step <laughs> in a different, you know, a step a more difficult step than than I had done just kind of generally calling them to you know an abortion before. So yeah, it's still like you said, there's still it gets easier and easier, but you still should have a healthy fear. And even you know, we talk a lot about <clears throat> raising men up, you know, to be elders and stuff. We got men we're doing that with right now, and I always say. Like if there's someone that comes to me and they're like, "Hey, I think I want to be a pastor," one of the, one of the three requirements that I have for them is that I want to know they're scared to death to step in that pulpit. Like I want to know that you're scared to death to, to mess things up, and that's mm-hmm. that's a healthy that's a healthy fear because right. uh, you realize like this again. You mentioned like recognizing the your surroundings and the and you know the outcome of things like that's a healthy fear that you realize that you could say something that could really <laughs> mess people up. So, uh, yeah. So like, again, that's a healthy fear. So for sure. So let's get, let's get really, we try to get really practical towards this point now. So okay. let's, for any of the men, so we have a, a pretty wide array of men listening, all ages, kind of all walks of life and different maturity levels. But what would you say to the man listening? That's like, I want to be courageous. Uh, I need to learn how to be courageous. What, what's what's some steps or some things I can do in my everyday life or this week that will help me build upon that foundation? Uh, great question. I think, again, just start in the little things. Um, you know, and just commit to doing one little thing. Uh, you know, so say it's you want to, you know, talk to your coworker about Christ. Like, you say, you know what, <clears throat> week, I'm going to find a way and I'm going to find an opportunity. You know, ask God to give you those opportunities. That's, you know, he, I promise you, you'll have those opportunities. Um, and, and I've even, um, I've, I've learned in my own experience and from others, I think once a person, like, is committed, like, in their heart and in their mind, you know, before God, like, I want to be you know, used by you. I want to be able to share the gospel with people. Like God's going to bring you opportunities um, to do so. And so just take the small step, commit to doing the small things uh, just one at a time, even, even, you know, and then maybe the next, next week, you know what, that went well, I shared the gospel with my, my coworker and, you know, I felt good about it. You know, you build, start to build that confidence, um, you know, and say, you know what, next week, I'm going to go with the team at the abortion mill or, you know, whatever, do something else publicly. And even at the abortion mill, you guys know this, like you don't have to be the dude on the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Even just, even just being there holding a sign, I promise you save lives. Mm-hmm. People don't even think about that. Like just having a presence there. Cause you guys know this. There's like, I, I don't know. How, we've lost count of how many times someone's come up to us later and, you know, and they they have a baby, and they're like, "Hey, I was coming in here uh, a year ago, and I saw your guys' signs, and I turned around, yep. and now I have this child." Yep. You know, so like, even starting off like that, just being there, even just praying, like, is 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 a step in building that that courage. So, good stuff. Well, hey, man, we don't want to take up all your time here. So, uh, this is the point where I let you plug. Anything and everything that you're involved in, uh, and I would say uh, definitely plug uh, your uh, Apologia Studios, uh, all of your all-access stuff, because you're talking about learning courage, and I think sometimes that can come from 
learning a bit in, in terms of like uh, a scriptural things. So like, you know, somebody might be like, hey, I want to learn how to evangelize. I know you guys have series yeah. on that. So hey, plug okay. whatever you want on here. And then also if anybody wants to contact you or maybe get involved with End Abortion Now or l- learn more about Apologia, tell them how yeah. to do that too. Awesome. Thanks, man. Can I, can I preach for like one minute and then I'll do that? It's like you're a pastor or something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Go for okay. it. So um, there's just the one thing I wanted to add to all this um, that I think is really important. Yeah, um, so, well, two things, but um, going back to this has to start in the pulpit, right? It has to start with the pastors. Like you have to lead. And um, without getting too far off track here, I, I really think that um, where we're at in our culture right now is I really feel like God is is building Gideon's army. And, you know, this year has, uh, a lot of pastors have just shown their fakeness and their inability to lead. And you look at Gideon's army where it's down to 300 men, and those 300 men that, that God has provided um, to, to be victorious um, are the 300 men that, are drinking water, they're lapping water up like a dog, but what that shows is that uh, they're prepared. They were ready for war, they were ready for battle. Um, and and so, like, we need, like, I've been asking this a lot, like, do we have 300 pastors right now in our nation that are, are prepared and worthy for war? And not just worthy for war, but worthy for victory and worthy for um, reformation. Um, and so... Like that's that's my call to pastors. I've been saying this a lot. And and one quick thing I always want to add is that um, Christ promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against His church. And so I think growing up in the church, we kind of had an image that like you know we're inside our our ecclesiastical bunker in the four walls of our church. And and guess what? That gate the gates of hell ain't coming in here because Christ promised that. But what the gates do, mm-hmm. gates uh, are defensive. Right. And the point of that is they're not going to prevail against the church because the church is going forth. And the church is going to overtake these gates of hell. And so, again, it has to start with pastors. It has to start in the pulpit. The pastors need to be going out of their churches, going forth with this courage that we're talking about, proclaiming the gospel, trying to rescue babies. Uh, calling the culture to repentance, um, you know. So um, that's that's my preaching for I'll, I'll end there. And then, so yes, we have all kinds of manners of ways to get a hold of us. So you can go to apologiastudios.com, um, which is where we have um, Apologia Radio, we have Apologia TV, we have a bunch of different podcasts we're doing right now, actually. Cultish is recording in the other room. Uh, so we have Cultish, we have Provoked, we have Sheetologians, Apology Radio. We're actually getting ready to add another show soon uh, called Commissionaries uh, with Pastor Zach Conover and Kawhi. Um, so you can go there, and then we have our All Access, which is nine ninety five a month. And then we have a whole, what we call Apology Academy. So there's all kinds of series and lectures like uh, available there through that um all kinds of awesome men like doug wilson joe boo james white um Wait, shh, you and, can't say doug wilson's name here we'll get in trouble no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i was like 
on your network, you sure can. We had, uh, we've had him on the show, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yes, yeah, so we got all kinds of guys from, from Moscow. Um, so anyways, there's all kinds of stuff there, um, all kinds of series. And uh, actually, Pastor Zach's going to be doing a series that will go up on there. Um, and then after Thanksgiving on evangelism, so talking about that will be good. Um, so uh, anyways, you can go there and then – um, we actually, I don't know if you guys saw the announcement, we just announced, we've been working with David Bonson for about three years. Um, and so we are getting, um, all of his dad's digital library. Um, it's going to be available on Apologia Studio. Yeah, so I, 7, I heard 1700, that. 1700, roughly lectures. And we're also getting, I don't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere between 300 and 600 additional um, lectures um, that haven't really even seen the light of day. Wow. Um, they're, they're literally sending us like eight millimeter tapes that need to be digitized. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be exclusive on, on our site. So we're excited about that. It'll be free, though. Um, we're going to have that. We'll have it available for free on our site. Um, so there's that. There's Apology of Church. You can go to apologyofchurch.com. Uh, and then in abortion now, in abortionnow.com. Um, so that's our kind of banner uh, movement. It's the Ministry of Apologia Church, but um, you can go there to get signed up with your local church um, to get doing abortion mill ministry. It's completely free. You get signed up. It has to go through your, your local church, through your pastor. We get you the kit to get you started, and then you um, have access to, there's an app we have, um, so you have uh, access to all the different churches. It's a little network, which is around 500 churches now worldwide, not just nationally. And, uh, we actually, we were adding a bunch more. Uh, we, I think we have at least 15, I think I saw just from the fight left East conference, people that came up and were asked to get signed up. So, That's great. Uh, um, so yeah, you can go there and get signed up there. And, uh, there's a YouTube page, uh, apologies studios, which has all that content as well. Um, so I think that's, probably everything and I'm <laughs> missing something but yeah good well hey man thanks for coming on we, we appreciate your time this was fun we, we should have you on again actually maybe we should yeah let's do it. we should we should have you on sometime for we have another show called after the sandwich which is like our members only stuff we kind of just chat oh, cool. about chat about life or subjects and whatever and things we're interested in but yeah we should have you back on sometime and but thank you for coming on thank you for this this yeah. is i think it's gonna be helpful uh to My a pleasure. lot of men that are trying to figure out how to how to learn courage and how to be more courageous my pleasure, man. I'd love to be on again sometime. So let me know. That was Pastor Luke Pearson from Apologia Church and Apologia Studios. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Before our interview, and we took a break, you were talking about your uh, 132 reasons for fortitude, or however many there were. <laughs> <laughs> 143, actually. Okay, there you no. go. So we're going to go over 141, right? Okay, guys, strap on your belts here. Uh, we're going to be here for the next two hours. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. 
No, seriously, the Lord God calls us to be courageous. And uh, over 50 times, the scriptures say, take courage. And 143 times, the scriptures say, fear not. So God expects us, he calls us to be courageous and bold. He expects us, in particular men, to be to have fortitude. And earlier I said the how is having God as your main object, your, your, your goal is seeking him first, the fear of the Lord. But I want to give you some reasons that God gives from Scripture for why you ought to be be bold. And then uh, I'm going to give a few. I have like a, a large list, but I'm going to try to walk through them as quick as I can. And then, um, and then we'll wrap up with some just practical application. But uh, number one, the reason a, a Christian man can be bold is because God is with us. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And so the God of heaven is with us, and, and he's God. There's no other. So who could stand against him? We have a heavenly Father who's hallowed in heaven. He will be hallowed on earth, and he's the creator of all things. He's on our side. And so if you're going to be bold, you really don't need any other reason than this. You have Christ, you have God with you, you have God the Father with you, and uh, he calls you to be bold. Uh, but there's other reasons. Number two, you can be bold because Christ Jesus is with you. So we have the God the Father with us. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God, our Father, is with us. We have our King and Savior, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for the sheep with us. He laid down his life and has enabled us to go forth and take dominion in his name. He's the one with all authority, and he says he's going to be with us till the end of the age. And so you can actually take risks. You can take good risks in life. You can be uh, bold and have fortitude because Christ Jesus is with us. You might you might guess where I'm going with number three, which is... The Virgin Mary? Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's Muhammad. Muhammad thought that was part of the Trinity. No, not... no. Okay. Uh, but actually, the, the third reason is because we do have the Holy Spirit with us. John 14, 25 through 27. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So the Father, the Father you have with you, the Son... And the Father send, and, and the Son send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us, empowers us to live lives faithful to the Lord. In fact, you read in First Peter when it talks about uh, be prepared to give a defense for the hope that we have in, within us. The whole idea is that if we are persecuted for our faith, uh, we're going to be able to stand firm under that because we have the Holy Spirit that enables us and it makes us ready. Jesus told his disciples, don't even, it's, it's almost seems contradictory to, to the apostle Peter, but it's not. He just said, he told them not to be worried about what they would say, because the Holy Spirit would give them the words to say. Mm. And so if we have the Holy Spirit with us, which we do, if you're a believer, then how could you not be bold? Now, 
he's not going to lead you to be rash, but he will lead you to be bold for Christ. Now, so we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I want to I want to do mention. You said the Virgin Mary, uh, jokingly. That's that's not necessarily my f- fourth reason, but the fourth reason does include her, and that is you have the Church. We have the Church. First Chronicles nineteen thirteen. Be strong. Let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people, and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in His sight. God calls us to courage and boldness, and we should do so uh, and and live our lives with this boldness because we have the church, and we should do so for the sake of the church, right? Christ died to redeem for himself a people zealous for good deeds. If you're in Christ, you're part of the church, and therefore you can be bold to stand against evil, proclaim the gospel, because you have a whole body of believers around the world and throughout time who stand with you. You have the church victorious in heaven, and the church militant, you're not alone. You remember Elijah thought he was alone. God showed him that he wasn't alone. We're not alone. We have the church. And in, in Acts chapter 28, 15, the apostle Paul needed to be strengthened. And this is what it says. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three ends to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Uh, one of the ways that the men can be courageous and have fortitude is to be part of a local body of believers where they are challenged to be men and challenged to have courage. Uh, a lot of times we do look at churches and we see a lot of cowardice, but if you will find you some godly men in a local church, uh, they will. Uh, um, it will do a whole lot to fortify you and give you fortitude in hard times. I definitely will. Now, um, uh, I'm going to give you one more reason, and then if you want, if you want all my whole list, you can contact me later. But another reason you can be bold is this: your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Matthew nine two, and they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, "Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven." A lot of times the reason we aren't bold is because we're entangled, we're ensnared in sin. It makes us weak and ineffective. Uh, I think of just how pornography often makes takes young men right out of the battle. This world wants to take you out of the battle to make you a coward, and it will do so by making you shamed and sinful. Our sin separates us from God. And it, even with, without some recourse for sin, the only thing we could do would be to be cowardly, which would be to shrink back in ter- terror and try to hide at even the thought of God. But the Bible says that Christ is the light of the world, that men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. But everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. Right? So without having Christ, we do flee. We're, we're not courageous because of our sin. But the good news is Jesus has come. He has made a way for our sins to be forgiven. He has forgiven our sins on the cross. And we ought to take courage. We ought not let our sins keep us back. A man with his sins forgiven is a man who is bold enough to forgive others. And he should be a man bold enough to point others to the source of his forgiveness. And a man who is bold enough to hate evil, to expose it, and be bold enough to speak truth, knowing that even if the truth were to convict him, his sins have been forgiven. 
And so um, these are just some of the reasons that I have for why you can have fortitude. Uh, now, Tony, let's talk about how to apply this, right? How, 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 Tony, do you apply this when you are fearful? I mean, this, the, is it just John Wayne? Get on the horse and ride anyway. How do you do it? <laughs> Sometimes I think it starts with that. Sometimes I think it starts with, you know, if you don't feel courageous, I think sometimes it starts with uh, just sheer practice of just kind of forcing yourself to do it. Years ago, the first time I ever went to an abortion clinic, right, to do ministry out there, I was terrified. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I didn't know if I was going to get arrested or what the heck was going on. You know, you hear all sorts of stories and stuff. And and so I got on the horse and <laughs> rode <laughs> and did it anyways. And after repeated, you know, times of going and stuff, I think it got easier and easier. Um, but yeah, then eventually it is a lot of reminding yourself of exactly what you were saying. Actually, there's a quote it was making me think of, and I can't even remember for the life of me who the quote was from, but it was something, I'm going to butcher it, something along the lines of, uh, I have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and two-thirds of the angel on my side. What do I have to be afraid of? Um, I can't remember where the quote was from, but I just remember hearing it somewhere. But that's what it's making me think of when you were saying that. Um I think all these things that I, these reasons I gave you, and I have like 30 of them or, mm -hmm. or, or, or more, and that's just scratching the surface sure. probably, is an important point of being, having fortitude is meditating on the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what you're kind of saying is reflect on what God has said. Yeah. Then you step out, do what you know is right anyways, and you'll see God work, and then you'll be able to give praise for that. And next time it won't be as difficult. Yeah. And I mean, I've, it's funny because I've had family members say things about the show in terms of, oh, you got to be careful because what if somebody hears it or what if somebody says something or whatever? And I've kind of asked the question, not flippantly, but I've kind of just said, so what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, well, you could lose your job or you could, somebody could find out where you live or whatever, something like that. And I'm like, yeah, and that wouldn't be fun. You know, it wouldn't be fun to have somebody find out where you live, although that's already happened, um, or lose your job or whatever. But I don't know, been there, done that. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, again, reflecting on Scripture. I mean, what is the worst thing somebody could do to you in this life, right? Take your life? Okay, well, so can they send you to hell and destroy your body in hell? No. You know, and, and so you see where I'm going with that is like, I, who do you fear more? And I'm not saying you live in fear of God, but you understand God has more power, and God will raise you from the dead. So what do I have to be afraid of? And I know that's easy to say and not easy to do, and that's why we're talking about this, but what do I have to be afraid of? You know, if, if, if I go out and somebody comes and kills me, well, God will raise me from the dead one day, and I'll be with my king forever, and he'll be triumphant. So what am I afraid of? And, and, and the thing is, Tony, most of the time, it's not even that level of like. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, the fortitude that that you need to have is actually fortitude in the small little things. Mm -hmm. That 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 happens before you ever get to the large, the large, uh, you know, throwing yourself on a grenade or, or being willing to to have your fingernails picked off and your skin cut off you and and not defy the and not give in. And deny Christ, right? That got dark uh, fast. She did. <laughs> he went there. <laughs> what I'm just saying, oftentimes we're we're talking in those grand schemes yeah, of like yeah, afraid yeah. of who can kill the body, but 
a lot of times it's like, am I afraid that my wife is just going to get a little upset and my evening might be ruined if I tell her mm -hmm. um, the truth on something? Am I afraid that the that my peace, I won't be able to watch my TV show in peace if I tell my, if I have to discipline my children? Mm -hmm. Right. Am I going to miss um, my TV show? Yeah. That's probably what mm -hmm. some people think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, it could even be a bigger decision than those. Maybe it's, I have to strike out on some new ground that God wants me to do. Maybe a new, new career, new, new, new vocation, uh, moving your family to be closer to a better church, something like that. And a lot of times fear keeps people from making decisions that they, that are, that are good like that. And, um, they refuse to step out. And I, I don't, I don't think that I mean, obviously, God gives us the Holy Spirit, and He can do what He wants. But I, I would say that I, I don't trust that if a man won't make the small decisions, that he'll be able to stand with fortitude on the day when he's required for his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I was going to end here with a story that we were talking about earlier ahead of this. But um, <clears throat> so a lot of you uh, longtime listeners know that sometime back uh, Joseph and I adopted puppies um, during. <laughs> What was that, April? or I don't know what it was. During this whole uh, coronavirus thing or whatever, we, that was my idea. We thought that was going to be a good idea. Um, Joseph uh, has since uh, adopted his puppy out twice, and um, my puppy was having similar issues. Um, we had a little bit more land, so I thought I could deal with it a bit more. But she was starting to be a little... Uh, more than just disobedient and stuff. She'd, she'd get a little bit snippy with my wife. So we decided we were going to send her to training. I thought, well, that'll be good. I work an hour away at this point. So I thought, well, okay, we'll send her off to training for a few weeks, get her baseline. She'll come back. I'll work with her. Life will be good. Well, two weeks into training, uh, the trainer contacts my wife, and my wife says, the trainer contacted me and says she's really stressed. And I said, the dog or the trainer? <laughs> and she said, well, the, the dog seems stressed, but the trainer says she's stressed. And I said, uh, okay, well, that's her job to deal with the dog. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like going to a, not that I recommend all these, but it's like going to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist is like, you know what? You're just a little too stressed for me. You're stressing me out. You know, like that's your job. You're a behavioral trainer for a dog, you know? Sock it up, buttercup. Um, but I was like, okay, well, um, she can either get the dog back, give her money back, or she can keep going. And hindsight, and I'll, this is what makes the rest of this all hard, is hindsight is always twenty twenty, <laughs> Not like this year. Um, but I look back on it and realize, man, at that particular point, I should have just taken a step back and thought, this is probably not the right trainer. But I didn't, and the dog stayed with the trainer for over a month. And to be fair, when the dog came back, she acted better in terms of obedience. You could make her stay and sit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but her attitude towards my wife did not improve. And in fact, it started to get worse. And uh, so... The dog snipped at her a few times, and and basically what ended up happening was was fairly recently, and that's why the one week we just didn't have an episode. Um, it was on Friday 
night, actually, I was out in the shop and my daughter came to get me and said, you need to come in right now. Uh, the dog uh, has mom cornered. So I ran the house and by that point, the dog had let her go. I put her in her cage. My wife was hysterical and that's totally understandable. And she said, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put the dog down. Well, she got really upset with me and said, we don't need to put the dog down. We just need to get rid of her. And I said, well, I don't want to give her to somebody else if she's just going to hurt somebody. And so that was a bit of a tense topic with me and my wife, but we eventually thought it through a little bit. And then um, the next day I actually took the dog with me to uh, my parents' house because I was helping my dad with something. And I took one of my sons, my three-year-old with me and uh, actually talked to my dad about it. And my dad was like, hey, we can keep the dog for a couple of days um, while you look for a home for the dog if you want. And we'll try and find somebody, you know, maybe doesn't have kids or maybe he's not married or something like that. Maybe just like a single guy that wants a dog. Because she was like 10 months old, 11 months old, something like that. She's still a puppy. And now, granted, she's a half German shepherd, half boxer puppy. And so that's a big puppy. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, okay, I could probably do that. And so while I was helping my dad, um, uh, we heard my mom yelling at the dog actually. And then my, uh, mom yelled to my dad my dad run, ran downstairs. And then when he came back up, he said that the dog had cornered my mom. And I said, oh man, this is, uh, this is not getting better. And then while we were talking, the dog actually jumped at my son's face and then grabbed my mom's leg. Now, luckily my mom had on jeans and didn't break skin or anything, but that was it. And I looked at my dad and I said, it's it. She's done. I, 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 I can't give this dog away to anybody. It's like giving away a ticking time bomb. And so I ended up taking the dog home. The dog spent the next day in her cage. I mean, I let her out and fed her and everything, but I put her back in as soon as she was done going outside. And my wife was really upset and, you know, at one point really didn't want to put her down. And I, we talked and eventually came to understanding that was the best thing to do. And then I just, uh, uh, is, that was hard because then I had to figure out what do I do, um, the next day. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't sleep much that night. I mean, I'll admit, I mean, anybody that's, I don't know, listened to the show for a long time, just kind of understands that I grew up with a lot of animals and, uh, I, uh, I sympathize with, uh, I don't know if anybody here has watched uh, riot in the dance, um, from Andy Wilson. And when his uncle is, you know, narrating everything and his uncle says funny things on it, like, well, hi there, little guy, or why did God make this animal this way? And he goes, because it's cool. And I know some people laugh at that and think it's kind of corny, but I totally get that because I just think that the things that God has made, especially his creatures and stuff, are, are cool. And I wanted this puppy to be our family puppy growing up and for the kids and... um thought it was going to be good, but then, um, turned out not to be. So the next morning I woke up and knew that that was the last time I was going to take the dog out. I remember I went in the bathroom, splashed cold water in my face, looked myself in the mirror and <laughs> said, gird your loins, boy. <laughs> and, uh, took the dog out, woke the kids up, told the kids I was taking the dog on a trip, which was true. And dog, you know, they said goodbye to the dog, asked where I was taking her, and I said to the vet, didn't tell him why at that point. Took the dog, put her in the in the truck, took uh, the what felt like 
my goodness, the longest 20-minute ride of my life. To the vet, waited till the vet opened, called the vet, told the vet what I wanted to do, and then waited, waited, waited until they could fit me in, and then went in and sat there with my puppy and had him put the dog down. And that was... You know, that was no threat to my life, but it was a threat to my wife's life, my kid's wife, and possibly anybody else's life um, if I would have given her away. And uh, that was extraordinarily hard. And then what was even harder was going to work and then getting home from work and knowing that I had to tell my kids. And so I sat my kids down and I talked with them and... I will full well admit about halfway through trying to explain it to him, I kind of broke down. Uh, my daughter took it very hard. My two sons, I, I have three sons, but one of my sons is one, so you know he doesn't understand. But my three-year-old and five-year-old uh, didn't take it hard until later. Um, but, you know, I could have just not told him, right? I mean, I'm not saying that's right, but I needed to be honest with them. And I need to tell them why we did it. And I will end it with this so I don't end this on a super sad point. Because <laughs> it's getting kind of sad. Um, at one point when I was really just kind of feeling the emotion of it all and my daughter was crying and my wife was tearing up, um, my three-year-old son came up and sat on the couch next to me. And he said to me, uh, it's okay, Dad. Tilly, which our dog's name was Matilda, and we called her Tilly. Tilly was being the wrong kind of dangerous, and you were being the right kind of dangerous. And that, you know, that made me feel like maybe somebody understood <laughs> why I did what I had to do. Um, so I'm not giving that story out there as like, that's the end-all, be-all example of fortitude or anything like that, but it took a lot of concentration and it took a lot of just burying down or setting aside those emotions of it all because I really liked that dog. I mean, I'll full well admit, and actually, and to be fair, everybody in my family really liked the dog. My wife even did, and she was pretty broken up about it too, but uh, I had to do what was right and I had to be the one to do it. And so I did what I had to do. It wasn't fun, but it was the right thing to do. And I also give that story out there, too, as to, so that anybody wondering why I was asking for prayer for my family a little while back, just because everybody was sad and it was hard for the kids to deal with it. And it still is to a point. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's my, that's my small fortitude story there. I mean, I'm sure we have better fortitude stories out there, but I wanted to tell that so everybody kind of knew what was going on back then and why one week we kind of just skipped an episode because it happened right before we were going to record. So anyway, yeah, that sad note. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, do you got anything else? Me, <laughs> yeah, end it with me, something a little more upbeat there. <laughs> Why I chose that one, I don't know. Well, no. Sometimes it's making decisions and and that other people won't like, and yet you've got to make them. Um, I wanted to end with this quote with by a guy named Horatius Bonar, and um, he. He has a great quote, a little, almost like a commentary on 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Quit you like men. This is what he says. He says, be men, encourage, not cowards, turning our back on the foe or giving away in danger or reproach or evil days. 
in solidity, not shifting or shadowy, but immovable as the rock. In strength, as the man is, so is his strength. Be strong in wisdom. Foolishness is with childhood, wisdom with manhood. Speak and act with wisdom as men. In ripeness, the faculties of men are ripe, both for thinking and working. They speak ripe words, think ripe thoughts, plan and execute ripe things. In understanding, be men in all things. What you do and what you refrain from doing, be men. Act the manly part. Let nothing effeminate, luxurious, sickly, childish, puny, little, narrow be seen about you. Christianity makes men, not babes. Adorn the doctrine of Christ by your manliness. In the church, in the world, in business, in conversation, in prosperity and adversity, quit you like men. Let no man despise thee, and let no man despise the gospel because of thee. Good stuff. Good quote. So, All right. Any closing thoughts? Briefly. <laughs> well, other than that other quote, than that, yeah. uh, there's a lot of lot to, to think through. Again, if you want to reach out to me and get a list of reasons to be bold, mm-hmm. be courageous, I'll, I have a whole list for you. Um, we actually covered a lot of the things on the list without actually saying it was part of the list. Uh, we're and, that good. Uh, we're just that good. We did it. <laughs> and then... Um, this has nothing to do with uh, with any of that, but I do want to plug my new book. Go for it. Go ahead. Um, I, I've written a book called It's Good to Be a Girl. Uh, it's the companion that goes with It's Good to Be a Boy. And uh, it was just released this last Friday, Black Friday. Actually, the Thanksgiving night is when it came out. And uh, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Books a Million, any other uh, online book retailer. Um, type in It's Good to Be a Girl. By Joseph Spurgeon and Rowena Spurgeon. My wife helped me with this one. Nice. So nice. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Check it out. I think your 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 daughters will really like it. It'd make a good Christmas present. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Go get it. All right. Well, that is our episode for this week. Uh, if you are not yet a Fight Life East club member, you should be. So go to fightlifefeast.com. Sign up to become a club member. And if you want to support our show, use the code Patriarchy to do it. It'll get you access to behind-the-scenes materials, such as our other show, After the Sandwich, where we talk about life and everything and nothing at all. Just kind of an off-format show where we get to kind of chat about things, pick a subject, or maybe just have somebody on. Uh, We've released two of those episodes for free, actually, just to kind of give you a taste of it. So check those out if you want to look at our back catalog. But yes, go to fightleftfeast.com, click sign up to become a member, and use the code Patriarchy when you do to support our show. If you want to get some Patriarchy merchandise, go to confessionalware.com and you click on podcast collaborations and look for our show. We have quite a few shirts now and a couple coffee mugs, and they're selling pretty good, actually. And we do have a couple uh, women's shirts on there, too, which actually are some of our best sellers. So go there. It's a great Christmas present for somebody. Go grab a couple shirts, maybe a couple coffee mugs, and we will have more things coming out soon here, too, hopefully uh, next year, uh, if the world doesn't blow up, of course, before then. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll have like a 2020 or I Survive 2020 shirt or something like that. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, go to confessionalware.com, click on podcast collaborations, and uh, look for our show and buy some patriarchy merchandise. So until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call for you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy. (laughs) 